Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us on the podcast today. Your normal crew of Jennifer. Hello. Rob. Croyle. <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> I wasn't going to, I was just going to use your first name. Oh, wait. You and Jennifer, that sounds like a first and last name to me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Insert face palm here. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Jennifer, Robbie. Hello. <laughs> and myself, Logan. Oh my goodness. We already did Okay, this. but last week you last went week for I no just space. through and did, yeah, no, I know I'm trying to keep y'all on your toes <laughs> while we sit here and record this. Footnotes, not toe notes. Oh, but that's the stuff that gets edited out. <laughs> the, the toenail clippings. Ooh. Oh, yikes. Ooh. It's the stuff that nobody wanted in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hilarious. We're so bad. Oh, Hello. all right. Yeah, we're off to a great start this week. Hello, um, Jennifer's mom. <laughs> she hasn't talked to, the to me about the podcast in a while. I wonder oh, if she's man. still listening. What did we do? Did we lose her? Did Scared we lose her off. Her? It's all right. It's all right. Anyway. Well, uh, yeah, no, we are we're going to start off with a shortcoming this week, uh, which is it's less of a shortcoming and more of just a let's whine for a minute. Um, <laughs> yes, we will. Frustration. Um, let us let us air a grievance around the Festivus poll. Um, <laughs> hmm. Anyway, uh, let us <laughs> let us lament to the Lord. Uh, so obviously, if you if we watch services this week, or if you are in service, then you notice that we were all we're all masked up in accordance to the Missoula County. It's a county, right? Yeah, it's a city county <laughs> health board. City yeah. county health board guideline uh, mandate dictate whatever the thing the thing came down and said wear your mask, uh, and so we we fell under that, and so we thus had to mask up. For services, and uh, I got to experiment with many variations of how to <laughs> sing with a mask on. I think it is. I think it was hardest on those of you leading worship. Honestly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's tricky business. That's it, it, and it is a little bit. You know, if it, if you're just singing along, if you're just worshiping, that's one thing. Um, if if you're if you're leading. You know, and and you're in charge of you know, and it might be my case if I'm in charge of keeping the melody of the song for everybody to follow. Um, you know, I got to hold out notes longer. I don't have as much time to breathe a lot of times. Uh, and there, I noticed there was a couple of times uh, where how I would normally breathe was not beneficial because <laughs> <clears throat> I would take uh, these short, quick breaths, and normally uh, I would be my mouth would not be gaping open. It's a short, quick breath, uh, and it's it's quite, you know, it, it's, it's sucking like a Hoover, um, and so it would just pull my mask right up against it, and it's like putting your hand over the end of the the vacuum cleaner hose, and that doesn't help you get a breath. 
So by well, the end of it, I yeah, I've I picture modified. vacuuming around the the curtains, and all of a sudden you're sucking the curtains in, and now you're fighting <laughs> the curtains in. And instead of focusing on which that is exactly, the task at hand, that is exactly what what that was like. Was completely like, distracted. No, oh crap! No, ah, ah, ah. yeah. <coughs> reading, a little bit of a learning curve. Reading long sections was oh, difficult. Sure, mm-hmm. because the breathing was. It's just not the same. Uh, for me, I, I've wore a gas mask in, in training in the Air Force for 20 years. And the experience of wearing this mask felt very similar to that experience. I mean, you just you feel a little bit enclosed. Uh, it's a little bit hotter. It, your, your own breath is still in your face. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. Which is not the end of the world, but no, it just it, it just, does things with your brain. It mm-hmm. it does. It messes with your head a little bit. And you you mentioned something with the gas mask of you used to you. There was a certain amount of time, right? Right. They could make the situation harder on you, but you knew it was going to end, like within a certain time frame. Yeah, within a training environment, you could always just tell yourself, <laughs> "All right, so I'm doing this for four hours, mm-hmm. and then they got to send me home." Yep. And so it may get harder, but it's not going to get longer. And that's kind of the approach that I took. I, I really, it made me a lot more empathetic this Sunday for the folks that are wearing those all day long for tasks that they don't normally wear them. Right. Yeah. They're, we wear masks like that when you're doing woodworking, certain type of woodworking. There's certain sure. environments where you're wearing a mask. And I'd wear them out when I was weed whacking. Sure. You know, or mowing or anything like that. I got pretty bad allergies. So, you know, a lot of times I would put on a mask or something to stop me from. And, you know, I'd have like a scuba goggle thing over my nose um, and and then bandana up sometimes just so, you know, I'd keep all the allergens out. Right. But it was also a, and I can take this off the minute that I stop, you know, doing Mm -hmm. anything just because I, you know, need a breather. Yeah. I just, Yeah. yeah, I quit doing the task. Therefore, I could take the mask off. But for folks that are wearing that all day long at the supermarket ah, behind mm-hmm. the yep. the cash register, and the, and that's not part of their routine, and it's, it's become a new routine right. recently. Yep. And it does. I, I I will say that the more the more I've done it, like by the time we got to the worship night. I I didn't even care about the mask on. Mm-hmm. Like I had, I'd modified how I had breathed. I'd adapted. Um, still uncomfortable, and my face was you know I I had all of the moisture from my breath that was making my beard really. It was m- very moisturizing for the beard. Um, super. Well, that's nice. Yeah, there's a there's a just, pro. Just ring that out afterwards. Mm, delightful. Mm-hmm. But uh, glad I'm not eating. There's some imagery for Man. you. Uh, footnotes, not safe to eat during, um, anyway, so yeah, just the, you, you do adapt and you do, you know, you do get used to it, uh, and you, we can overcome that, but it was, it definitely was uh, a little odd and I think it, it took, it sapped some of the energy we noticed out of the, you noticed out of your preaching and I noticed out of my, I was like, we got to over enunciate everything and it's really hard to communicate because mm-hmm. we use our faces to communicate a lot and what? you cover up half of it and. Ninety-three percent is nonverbal communication. Right, that's yeah, tough. I could not tell what people were thinking, how people were responding to the <laughs> message. That that 
it was actually more awkward than preaching just to the camera. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, having having a bunch of people staring at you and you could see the whites of their eyes and and a lesson was turning to Jennifer talking to her about her heart. <laughs> uh, I really couldn't tell if anything was landing at all. And uh, I'm glad Jennifer saved no. But uh <laughs> oh jeez. You know, yeah. I I want to say this. With our health department, um, I feel like they're doing a fantastic job with with what they have. Uh, first mm-hmm. of all, the information is always fresh. Yep. Uh, yeah. Like there, we don't have years of experience with dealing with COVID. We have a very finite amount of information to work with. It's shifting. It's shifting. I'm. The numbers that we have today as far as uh, affected people are higher than we were when we shut down and, and went to lockdown mode. Mm-hmm. And, and yet we haven't had to go clear back to that. So people, by and large, in this town are still working, and, and I think that's super critical. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we haven't even gone back to phase one. Right. Like yeah. if, if it means that things can stay open... People can keep working, and we can keep some semblance of mo- semblance of order. Mm-hmm. I may not love them. I'll wear a mask. Yeah. Now there's something that I read this last week, and I posted to my Facebook feed, and it was talking about the impact on people of color versus whites, and there's there's a number of things that go into this. Um, Access to health care, access to clean water, those kinds of things. But sure. um, a, a black man just below my age range, it was like 35 to 45, 43, somewhere in there, some, somewhere in that range, it's nine times more likely to die from COVID than a, than a white man. Wow. And so for me, I don't sit in fear of dying for a couple reasons. One, our numbers have been so low mm-hmm. until recently. Two, a lot of guys my age survived this. Right. Yep. Not always. I'm I'm surprised sometimes by the reports of of, of a guy that's close to my age. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even a white person my age. I mean, like same yep. same old same old um, same. Um, the statistic is not 0%. Right, it's not 0%, but I don't live in fear of that, but my neighbor might because of genetics, because of social economic, mm-hmm. because of access to healthcare. Like, I have phenomenal access to, to healthcare. I have one of the best healthcare coverages you could ever ask for in this country. And I know that. I'm very fortunate. Now, that has to do with my military career. Mm-hmm. But um, I have fantastic access to healthcare. I've never worried about my water being clean, but uh, for the black person, I believe um, it was somewhere between six to nine times more likely that, that their uh, water is unclean. Mm-hmm. Wow. And for the 
a native person, it was like 16 times. Hmm. You know, and, and originally I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm listening on the front end or I'm reading on the front end of this. I'm going, well, if, if people of color, if indigenous people are more likely to not survive this, then what are we doing immediately to resolve that? Mm-hmm. But then access to healthcare, access to um, housing, you know, the people that are faced with the stress of potentially not living in their home, that stress reduces their body's ability to mm-hmm. to fight this. Half, 50% of the black population is out of work today. These are numbers that are mind-boggling to me. Yeah. You know, and so that stress of not being able to work, limited access or somewhat limited to limited access of health, adequate health care, limited access to clean water, which I shouldn't be a thing in, in the country. I don't think in terms of uh, people not having access to clean water in the U.S. I think in terms of other nations, other continents. Like, not, yeah, we go to Africa to dig wells. Not, not, not our country. And so these are things I feel like, like that oh, we, we need to... We probably go do that in Flint, Michigan. So if, I, if my wearing a mask helps someone else feel safer... Again, I'm not concerned about my own health, and I could potentially contract it. And I could potentially die. I just don't think the statistics say that I'm not sure. going to catch it or die just because the numbers are so low or have been historically low here in Missoula. But my neighbor may have a different experience, and just because it's not my experience doesn't mean that that experience isn't a valid experience right well and there uh, so there there is a there's there's this other there's another narrative that we're hearing um as far as the masks go and and there's this there is a side that speaks to well you know rob you know you're not afraid of this so why are you living in fear okay well you're you're caring for your neighbor by wearing a mask and it's not it's not for you um one, it's just one. Uh, on one hand, it's because the city mandated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it's because you're caring for the business because you're not going to get charged, you know, with a ticket or something for not wearing a mask. But the business might, right? So that's you loving the business um, and being showing Jesus to them. Uh, and then on the flip side, it really it's it's an inconvenience. It's not detrimental to your health to wear a mask. Um, it's and I'll speak for myself. It's like it's not detrimental to me right. to wear a mask. It's an inconvenience. Yeah, and um, now there are people that it it is more than an inconvenience, and it is it adds a danger. And so the ADA has provided guidelines, and and I really want to communicate that clearly that if you have some condition, PTSD, asthma, some other health concern that mm-hmm. prohibits you from wearing a mask. You are absolutely invited and welcome to any of our events, to church, to the offices. Come and see us. We want you here. Yeah. Yep. But as far as jumping up and, well, I, I know there's there's two very distinct narratives 
with the people that I know and love, where the one side is going, you need to wear a mask, you need to do this for your neighbor, this is how you show love to people, and the other side says, the mask isn't necessary, it's not helpful, it's potentially dangerous. I know I we've got people within our own congregation that land on either side of those arguments and some room between for um for most of us mm-hmm. I, I love you all we gotta figure out how to do this together mm-hmm. we need to be unified yeah. and jesus regularly laid down his rights he paid the temple tax when he didn't have to as the son yep. of the father mm-hmm. you know the king's son doesn't pay the tax Mm-hmm. But he paid the tax. He says, I don't want to be, you know, when it come when it came to paying Caesar tax, he said, render under Caesar. This is this is a render under Caesar kind of moment where Jesus was like, the mission is the mission, and the mission is the kingdom of heaven. And yep. and oh by the way, by loving people, we're going to draw Rome to the kingdom. Yeah, and I not think- by jump not by fighting Rome. The one that it reminds me of is the carry the pack for two miles. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they ask you to go one, go two. Yeah, They ask you to go one, go two. Right. This is not just... This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. And it's not living in fear. It's not... It's not stating that narrative. Just it's being... It's being a loving citizen and trying to tell a good story. Yeah. Yeah, we have friends of friends that have literally worked in the ERs of of hospitals in New York. Yeah. From Lewiston, Idaho. They went, and they're like, this is really happening. Just because it's not happening in Lewiston or Missoula in that same fashion doesn't mean at the national level this— other people's experience isn't massively different. Mm-hmm. Sure, I have uh, some people I follow on Twitter, and they're going, "Hey, when do you, th- when do you guys think uh, we're going to have in-service services again?" And the one said, "I think it's going to be February of 2021." I'm like, "Oh, it's June for us. Different part of the country. Yeah, different yeah. realities. Just because our reality is different than somebody else's reality." Like, I'm super grateful that we have largely been untouched in this community. Absolutely. But it is highly dangerous for people. Um, and, and for those folks, we need to do what we need to do. And we need to, I, th- I, I really do think our health board is doing what it can with what they know. Yep. Yep. I think that's uh, it's good stuff there. Cool. So that's face masks. Uh, let's uh, let's jump into Ezra. We uh, just ripping through this book of Ezra. <laughs> just giant, ripping through it. Giant well, chunks. We finished it in two Boom. weeks, right? Two weeks Boom. done. Two they weeks said and it done. Couldn't be done. <laughs> but we did it. So, so yeah, you you mentioned uh, Ezra seven. One through seven here. I believe it's a genealogy, correct? It is a genealogy, and what we have is a list of uh, seven priests. Um, 
before the uh, after the destruction of the temple and seven priests before the construction of the temple. And so, uh, so seven uh, after and seven before. Yeah. Okay. And so, so a total of fourteen priests. Um, that genealogy is is incomplete to to create this chiasm, as it were. Um, and there's a priest right in the middle of this chiasm, which is the first priest in Solomon's temple. But it's really to connect Ezra as this. As the new Moses, as as the new Aaron, as the new Azariah, like mm-hmm. like the author's connecting Ezra as as this priest that is embodying all all these predecessors, all all these characteristics of these yep. predecessors, and saying, and this is the new guy. This he's using this to paint a picture. Yeah. Okay. And so, if you compare the genealogy of uh, Ezra seven one through five to First Chronicles six one through fifteen, you're you're going to see, which is the the priest before the construction of the temple or up to the construction of the temple. You can see there's more than seven priests listed in there. What the authors of Ezra did something. They yeah. tweaked it? They tweaked it. And so they... Why? My Greek mind says, no, that's wrong. So this number seven represents this perfect... Complete. This complete number, this uh, complete embodiment, as it were. And mm. so uh, Ezra's line, this is this is showing the the priesthood is still intact. Mm-hmm. The, the priesthood is still what it's supposed to be. As as lived out through Ezra, and and so he is presented as new, both the new Moses and the new Aaron in this narrative. Nice, nice. Pass Those me. sneaky ninja writers. Yeah. Mm. Ninja right the, the Tim Mackey calls them, you know, biblical ninjas. <laughs> just like, oh, that is such a good like, as such a good image of that that they are just. Doing all sorts of crazy flips and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. the image I had in my head. Them like rolling into the office and yeah. karate kicking. And he uses a, I think he uses crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Nice. Where they're like floating on treetops and stuff, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. That's my response when I read things like that. I'm like what? Mind blown. Cool. <clears throat> well, a little later in chapter seven, uh, there's this term for law. And uh, you talked about that a little bit, if I remember correctly, uh, and made mention of made mention of it. But let's uh, let's hash that out a little bit more. There, uh, this is in chapter seven, verses twenty five through twenty six. Yeah, most of the time when we see the word law, I didn't get that. Can you oh. try again? <laughs> <laughs> I said most of the time. When we say the word law, uh, or we see the word law in the English, in the Bible, it is Torah, okay. which from the Jewish perspective really isn't laws. They, they have uh, another word for law, and I'm, I was trying to look that up really quick here. Is that what Siri didn't get? Siri did not get that at all. <laughs> but Dang this it, word 
is is a word that's reserved or used in particular with the Persian kings, and mm. it's doth d a t h is the way is the transliteration, and it's a Persian loan word. Hmm. So it's a Hebrew word uh, that has been borrowed from from the Persians, and is that it, like us stealing the word croissant? Yeah. I don't know why Perfect. that was the first one that popped in my mind. You know, I was thinking French. Uh, French is one of those languages that we've take we've just taken some of the words and we're just like Yep. That's probably the most common language that we just Spanish. We take it. we steal a lot from Spanish too. Yeah. Uh, rodeo. Oh. I, if I remember correctly, rodeo is actually a Spanish term. I think. My mind is blown on that. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I, I'm pulling that deep from the recesses of the back of my mind. So I could be wrong. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be kind of like us. It, it may be more like using um, the word gringo. Mm-hmm. Like that when, would for sure. When we say gringo, yep. it's not our word. Right. And in fact, if we use gringo in the proper context, it would let you know that it was a it was a white person in the mix of uh, Hispanic conversation yeah. or culture or, or cultural setting or whatever. And, you know, the gringo walk up to to the salsa bar and, and ordered, you know, the wrong thing. Ordered Taco Bell. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> the reason why this is important is uh, Artaxerxes says, um, appoint magistrates and judges who may judge all the people in the province beyond the river, all such as know the death of your God, which is not what Ezra was studying. He was studying the Torah of his God. And those who do not know them, you shall teach. Whoever will not obey the doth of your God and the doth of the king... Let judgment be strictly executed on him, whether for death or for banishment or for confiscation of his goods or for imprisonment. Sounds so redemptive. <laughs> and so, uh, just in thinking about this, there's a couple possibilities. Either this is just a pagan king that just has no concept of who God is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Nebuchadnezzar comes to know who God is. Who God is. Like you are the you are the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. Where Artaxerxes was just like, yeah, go serve your God. Which could be like a myriad of other gods. Right, just sure. Like, yes, I'm being benevolent to the gods of the world. Right. Enjoy my benevolence. Mm-hmm. Um. So, either that's going on there. Well, I don't know if I have a second one. What do you guys? What comes to mind? Well, for me, what comes to mind is this is the same Artaxerxes that's in the Book of Esther, and he is kind of a doofus. Like, he doesn't pick up on things and, like, think of what he does to Vashti. Like, 
he doesn't seem altogether with it to make smart choices. So sure. And he seems very self-absorbed and very like, I want you to please me. So it would it to me it makes sense that he doesn't fully understand like there is the big G God because he's so wrapped up in his own world. I don't know. That's what came the to doofus me. theory. I like it. The doofus theory, yes. <laughs> I guess the other possibility is that he's so new, like like maybe someone is introducing him, and I don't know where this falls in line with the Ruth, uh, is it, not Esther. Ruth, Esther, uh, Esther timeline. It's hard to know mm-hmm. where this falls. Maybe the whole engagement with the Esther story, maybe that story has influenced him to where, you know, prior to this point, or mm-hmm. or maybe. We know there's, what, 20 years difference between this story and Nehemiah's story, which we'll jump into. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we see some growth in Artaxerxes in, this, in his relationship. Like he's just introduced and, and he's just, uh, he's a noob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have a better, I don't think I have a better analogy for it. That's, that seems to be... I, I like your read of what you think's going on there. That seems like a those seem like plausible mm-hmm. explanations. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting that it that it gets translated that way. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have noticed it otherwise. Wouldn't have ever caught that. Well, and there's some words that I'm you know mitzvah is a word that I'm that I'm familiar with and uh chuka is another word mm. and so these are words that um mitzvot bar mitzvah the oh yeah the son of the law mitzvah yep. is actually what's from a from hebraic mind frame that is what they think in terms of law torah is really teachings mm. in their mindset so uh, so mm. it, it just death. I'm going. Oh, that's a different word. Like I hadn't seen that word. It sticks out. And and it's really it seems to be related to the Persian kings more often than not. I I didn't notice any other correlation. And hmm. and taking a look at this, so it is a different. It's a different word. And and <laughs> have you ever had someone? Talk to you about your how you're going to live out your relationship with God, and 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 you're just like, oh, you don't quite get this, do you? Yeah, because because he's like, whoever will not obey the the death of your God and the death of the King, let judgment be strictly executed on him, whether for death or for banishment or confiscation of his goods or imprisonment. It's like <laughs> this does not sound redemptive mm-hmm. at all. And I'm sure Ezra is like nodding his head going, oh, sweet Lord. <laughs> <laughs> You're bankrolling this, so I'm going to smile and nod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you will be four months journey away from me yep. <laughs> as I execute this plan. Yeah. Maybe a little less on the execution. <laughs> 
Yikes. Maybe a little bit more on the uh, forgiveness. Maybe we'll just carry this out instead of executing it. Yikes, phrasing. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, this, you know, so, all right. So we've talked about this for two weeks in a row where we see these stories. And for two weeks in a row, there's people uh, that have a bit of messiness in their lives. And so mm. our heroes of the story, obviously this is the repeating theme that we've talked about. Uh, so we should expect to see this, but figured it might be might be fun to have a little discussion about engaging the mess here because we see with Zerubbabel last week, uh, old Zebabs had to engage these people with messy theology, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they they got they they don't understand the God, right? It's kind of like Artaxerxes here of like, yeah, you don't really get God. Okay, all right, fine. So he, he, he gets this opportunity to engage with them. And then in the same way in this story, Ezra gets the opportunity to engage with these people who have intermarried um, and they've brought in probably some messy theology with the marrying the daughters of foreign gods. Right. Uh, which is the danger once again. So we're worried about we're worried about protecting right. our religious our religiousness, our theology. We're worried up about protecting our doctrines. I'm trying to put this in 21st century terms that might be triggering people and saying, oh, but I do guard my doctrines. Right. I do guard my theology. And wait, you're post-millennial? That's, no, you can't, that's just wrong. You're Calvinist? Get out of here, right? Like this is, uh, to make it applicable to us, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see we see two examples here of engaging with that mess, and I, I leave it to you. Well, I, I don't really leave it to you. We've we've kind of talked about this. They don't handle it very well. Not at all. We this is the awkward ending. The both of these are not not great handling. Not great examples of engaging with the mess. Um, <clears throat> but one one of the things that we were talking about when we were uh, sermon clubbing, we were we were coming up with these, we were brainstorming these and, and talking about this stuff, is the the kind of parallels in the approach to dealing with the mess that we see later on. Yep. In uh, we've talked about this before in past episodes with the various sects of Judaism mm-hmm. uh, or the the various uh, flavors maybe. Mm-hmm. of the Pharisees and the Zealots and the Essenes and the Herodians and the, the Sadducees, right? We've talked about this in the time of Jesus. You had all of these these five different versions that were fairly common. Um, and so, like, for example, the, the Pharisees were very strict on, we are going to adhere to the law. Right. And and the and the the reason for this was they were going to bring about Messiah. Like this is how we're going to bring Messiah back: strict adherence to the law. Right. Well, that almost sounds like that almost sounds like uh, old old Ed, old Ezra mm-hmm. right there. That it sounds does. very similar. Yeah. To his approach of nope nope we're going to we're going to adhere to this and so because of that we have to send them away or um Zerubbabel in that case you know he's going to nope you have no part in this you we're we're going to segregate ourselves 
which sounds almost very similar to the Essenes in that we're going to go hide off in the desert and segregate ourselves. Right. To seclude ourselves. Yeah, you, you're not you're not handling this well. So we're you, going to... You are so engaged with culture that we're going to isolate from you. Yep. And we're going to just wall ourselves off from from what you're doing and we're we're going to have no part of you. Really it's it's very much the same very the lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. A lot of similarities. And I I just thought that was very interesting. And I mean of course we're going to see this carried on. And the people that are living that out, the the people that are taking the foreign wives, they would be the Herodians. They're like, "Hey, these people are here. Uh they could you know, yeah. They can learn to worship our God too. Yeah, I know that they're worshiping their God, but you know, whatever. Yeah. And so, <coughs> and, and I think within the church, we see even today, uh, people kind of lean one of these directions where it's like, man, I really, you know, and with, and probably with very sincere hearts to say, I, I, we got to follow the laws, guys. Like, like we got to be, we got to be ready for Jesus. We gotta, we gotta adhere. We gotta adhere. We gotta adhere. And then you strict have strict religiosity. And then you have the people who are like, we need to not be going to the bars and and not be hanging out with people with tattoos and you know, uh, and we won't be going to movie. You know. Whatever. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna instead of engaging culture, we're going to seclude from culture. Um, I you know I, I definitely have. There's a couple of I won't name names, but there's a couple of people in my past. Uh, I've had friends years years and years ago that I I was friends with this girl and and her entire family had a very very close knit group of people. That they were involved in a in a home church with, and it was probably probably less than fifty people involved in this kind of social group, and it was tight knit, and you there were heavy walls around it. Um, and those kinds of churches will their approach is if someone comes to us, we will serve them like no other. Yeah, but we're not going to go. Look to Maybe if they play by our rules and they come in and they they do make it through that initial, the if they do manage to make it through the city gates, then by all means. And then there, from the Herodian standpoint, there's folks that you can't you can't tell from their life. You know, you look and you go, it doesn't huh, look any different. Sure, I'm not sure how they're different from how how they're distinct. How they're distinct. Now, when Jesus is asked the question. Who's the grace in the kingdom? And the disciples are asking this question. They're really asking which of these worldviews, which of these mm-hmm. five approaches. Who's got it right? Who's got it right? And yeah. he and he says, if you want to be the be the greatest, be the least. Mm-hmm. And serve them. Serve serve if if you think that being <clears throat> a Pharisee is the and and when we say Pharisee, I know that that has a very negative term, but that's really um, Jesus grew up both within the Essene and Pharisee worlds. That those were the two yep. worlds that um, he was most familiar with. So, well, and Zealot being up there with the with the Galilee, he would have run into them also. 
Yeah, but which really is just militant Pharisee, right? Uh, I fair. think we'll see some zealot of uh, Nehemiah. We might we might see a little bit of that? We might see a little bit of just a little pulling beards, swords involved. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. But spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. But Jesus had all five groups as part of his disciples, and he never he never says your first. Pharisaical thought, you're that like he never says divorce yourself from that. Yep. He just looks to take that person where they're at. Because I think if we have a tendency to lean towards culture and and wanting to be redemptive with that or or separate ourselves be, from culture because of maybe our past experiences, and I mentioned Sunday, that sometimes that's actually very appropriate and wise. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a tension here, and it's easy for us in hindsight. It's easy for me to, to look back and go, well, Zerubbabel, like, come on, why didn't you... You should have you known better. Like, this is, you're obviously supposed to work with these people. Right. Like, don't send them away. Or uh, or Ezra, like, come on, Ezra, you're not supposed to tell him to send the wives away. Like, what are you doing? That's not God. But when you're in the midst of it, when you're wrestling with that tension, if I was, you know, I'm trying to, there's, there's, there's oftentimes where I have to wrestle with that of, you know, am I going to, how am I going to be distinct mm-hmm. right. versus... Uh, how am I also not going to take the blue thread and the tassel, to use that analogy, and just go stick it off on its own, and those white threads are never going to come in contact with the blue thread. Right. Because neither one of those is correct. Right. The, it's, it's not a... Yeah, the blue thread becoming white. This is, not a black and, this is not a black and white, this is how you do it, this is how you don't do it. It's this ever-changing, constant tension of living this out. And I think we have to learn from each of these groups. We're supposed to learn from Zerubbabel. We're supposed to learn from Ezra. We're going to learn from Nehemiah. And we can say, all right, this is what they did right. Mm-hmm. Just like this today, is what they didn't do right. I feel like we can learn from our friends who are very conservative, ultra-conservative, and our friends who are ultra-liberal, and our friends who are ultra-moderate, you know, we can we can learn from all of those folks, and we need all these different perspectives. It helps keep you in balance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. So that, uh, as far as engaging the mess, that's I think that's the that's the key. Like, if you take away anything, take away that you need to balance this out. There's no one specific be all end all solution to this yeah it's gonna be messy because you're engaging a mess Mm -hmm. imagine that so let's talk real quick about uh first corinthians 7 uh in this and in in first corinthians uh chapter 7 uh paul is kind of applying some of this some of this story correct yes so He's talking about marriage, and there's uh, in a world where a highly pagan world that the gospel is being preached to. Um, sometimes the spouse 
uh, one of the couple becomes a Christ follower and the other one does not. It's still it's still common today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still happens. Um, there's a gal in our congregation that uh, she came to Christ after being married, and her spouse still he's he's still not a follower of Christ. Uh, and so this is a reality that people still live with today, but he says, uh, to the rest, uh, starting First uh, Corinthians 7, verse 12 through 15, to the rest I say, I, not the Lord, so he's making a distinction, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. And and so, like, he's he's even playing off of this idea of a holy race or holy seed. Right. Uh, he's even kind of playing off of that. And I really Sounds believe like- he's pointing right back to this story and going, we're not going to send people away. Sure, and the, what's the we the passage in care group that we were using this week? Uh, Micah, no. Malachi. Malachi. Mal- yeah, Malachi. Where it talks about well, he wants godly offspring. Mm-hmm. It sounds very similar, very similar to that. Mm-hmm. In his in his and this is uh, this and he makes it clear this is Paul's application. Um, yeah, he's applying. This is his teaching. This is his teaching. He he actually understands the story and is applying the story appropriately, which I love. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's very valuable there. And and just clarification, because I've heard this I've heard I've heard this passage kind of miss I feel it is misappropriated or misapplied in uh specifically the phrase for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. Mm. Let's clarify. That is not a because the unbelieving husband, or because the believing wife believes that the husband is somehow a follower or gets the, I, I hate using the phrase, get out of jail free card, but that for Riding some reason he's got to, you know, right? This, that's not what it's, I believe what he's saying is because of the believing wife, the unbelieving, or because of the believing spouse, the believing or because of the believing spouse, the unbelieving spouse will be subjected to, will be in contact with, will be constantly bumping up against the blue thread. Right. And eventually, God works through that. Yeah. Now, there's always, there's always this tension of, can you, can you live that out? And I think that's where it gets probably a little tricky. Yeah, my aunt prayed for my uncle 40 years. I mean, that's my mom and dad's story. My dad didn't become a believer until I was 11. Didn't want anything to do with church. There you go. And I think it's it there there are there are so many redemptive stories of that. Yeah, I think that's what that's talking about, and mm-hmm. I just like, let's make that clear. Well, in verse sixteen, actually bears that out. For how do you know, wife, whether you you'll save your husband, or how do you know, husband, whether you'll save your wife? In other words, each person needs to wrestle with God 
uniquely individually. Yep. But um, by staying with him, by being at peace, by living in that messiness and in that tension, because it is a messiness, it is a tension, uh, the believing spouse has these practices, has these uh, rhythms of worship and celebration that the unbelieving spouse is not, mm-hmm. and and that that creates this creates awkward, opportunities for the unbeliever to experience God. Yes, opportunities yeah. and awkwardness, and sometimes it's like, man, do I have the do I have the energy to? Sure. Um, continue down this path, and in my, and I know for some they really wrestle with: Am I saying too much? Am I am I not saying enough? Do I, am I being offensive? Am, am I am I hearing them well? And it's it's such a, it's such a challenge. When it, other times he uses the phrase unequally yoked. I mm-hmm. forget where he where he uses that term. Um, but that is such an appropriate uh, analogy mm-hmm. because if you if you are unequally yoked, one of those if you if you yoke up two two animals, w- the one that's stronger is going to have they're going to be pulling more of the weight. Right. Uh, it's going to be much harder on yeah. them. Yeah. The path the stronger one takes. Yeah. The whole. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and, and you're if going you, this way. Like if. You figure, I've got two people, think about two people lifting a couch, right? If I'm lifting the couch with Rob, Mm -hmm. we're going to share the load fairly evenly. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. We're about probably about the same strength-wise. Yeah. If I'm lifting the couch with, oh man, I'm going to throw him under the bus. If I'm lifting the couch with your son, Josh, one of us is carrying a whole lot more weight. (laughs) I won't say who. (laughs) It's not me, or no, uh, it definitely is me. But uh, like one, you know, when you've got you should have left Josh out of it, and you should have no. just used me as an example. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm throwing Josh <laughs> under the bus just because I love him and I miss him. Uh, but like Josh is not Macho Man Superlifter, right? And so I've I've carried couches with Josh before, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, I, I got I got this is a seventy thirty split here, right? Right. And so I think when he's warning people not to enter into relationships. Like this, uh, that's that's a fair warning, but well, it's not saying that you, if you find yourself in this in this in this type of situation, to give up on it. It's just that no, be prepared, right? Understand that this is this is the path that this is going to take. Yeah, the best choice is to not be unequally yoked. If you're already there, though, you stay. Like you're already yoked to that person, and that's mm-hmm. where Ezra missed the point. Is like. Well, and within families, this is actually such a common experience. This is more common than we talk about. But someone in the family either is wrestling with their faith or or they just they decide to rebel or they you know, they they start heading a different direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now what was homogenous as it were uh, as far as a direction that the family was going it's now going it's not homogenous it's chaotic it's and and how do you live within that tension well yep. takes some wisdom takes some uh trial and error you know and 
you know, we're living with this with our with our youngest who says, Well, I don't identify as Christian anymore. And I've watched other families go through this and and how you approach that, I think really says something about what you believe to be true about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A yoke, by the way, when when Jesus is talking about being unequally yoked, is a rabbi's teaching, which, which, which is the the way you live that out is the way you're wearing the yoke. Mm-hmm. And so, if a rabbi, if one rabbi is teaching to go one direction, and the other rabbi says, "No, you don't go that direction. You go this direction," like that's the tension: is one's heading one way, the other one's heading heading mm. the other way i'd forgotten about that yeah and and it's and like we like if you want to use like star wars it's the jedi versus the sith like those are those are yokes heading the opposite direction as it were yep. mm-hmm. and it's if they're willing to be at peace he says you know mm. and that's not always peaceful Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, real quick here, let's uh let's let's talk a little bit about misquoting scripture. Mm. I said misquoting scripture leads to misapplication every time. And Jesus says Every time. Every time. Every time. I think I'm pretty sure that's universal. I it sounds like it sounds pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's kind of like that. Uh, God blesses those who. How how's that phrase go? God. Oh. God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. That's yeah, that's in First Levin Deuteronomy, right? Yes, first. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's not in the Bible, friends. It's in um, Osteen two three. The, <laughs> oh. First, all about myself, twenty four seven. Oh. oh. <laughs> So Jesus, <laughs> Jesus says, uh, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. <laughs> Where in the world are people hearing that said? Because the, the actual scripture is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You um, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the in, Lord. In fact, the first half of that is, you should not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as Lord, or as yourself, I am the Lord. I think, like, they completely take the verse out of context, Mm -hmm. and then they add to the verse, and Jesus is like, but I say unto you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Right. It's a good thing we never take Scripture out of context nowadays. (laughs) I we would never, never think of doing do that. that. It's a good thing I've never done that for sure. That was sarcasm. Your nose just grew. <laughs> Pinocchio. <laughs> the Pinocchio icon is coming your way. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Ring the sarcasm out of my beard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was dripping down during worship. <laughs> oh, sarcasm. Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. Love I like it. That. Cool. Well, it's been all sorts of delightful footnote fodder for you to consider. Mm. Hopefully, helps you uh, wrestle through some different thoughts. Maybe it took you 
gives you some extra thoughts, stuff to chew over that maybe you didn't didn't catch the first time in the sermon or something like that. And uh, we'll uh, be back at it again with the white vans next week. There's a little remez for any of you that get get that one. But uh, yeah, we'll be back at her next week and hopefully see you. We encourage you. We're still doing services. We'll be masked up. If you can't wear a mask for some reason, that's entirely fine. We still want to see you at service. Uh, if you're not able to join us, then we will yeah. be streaming everything. So hopefully we'll see you online. Drop us a comment. Tell us you're there. Absolutely. Uh, holler at us if you need anything. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. See you. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.